are listening to WHOA Podcast, coming to you from Gainesville, Florida. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. I am your host, Colin Austin, and my co-host is the Willy Wonka of scooters, Michael <laughs> Dees. What is up, my man? Not much, man. How are you? I am 2020, fantastic. we made it. Yeah, we already released an episode in 2020. I know, but, like, but now it actually feels like it's 2020 yeah, because, because it here, actually is you're 2020. Here recording. Yeah. Well, this episode goes out January 27th. We're recording on January 7th. But man, like, how's the start of the year is going okay? It's been good. It's been a good start. It's been a, a crazy start. I, but came, I came back to help yesterday, and that was such a like, dude, my legs were so sore. Off. They were so sore. <laughs> like, you guys, just so you know, I came back to help Michael and the team with storage pickups. And it was awesome because we had like 200 plus scooter people pick up their scooter literally. They all come on all the same in day. one day. Which is actually and preferred. I, I like closed my exercise rings like three times. Mm-hmm. It was intense. But it was good though. And I went to the gym that morning too. Did, did you? <laughs> Oh, that's great. Well, you guys, we're going to get into our show, but before, but before we do, I want to give a big, huge shout out to our first sponsor of 2020, APR, Advantage Personnel Resources, for their support. This is a business that we personally work with do, over indeed. here at New Scooters for Less. <laughs> Excuse me, I don't even know the name of my own company. <laughs> New Scooters for Less. In fact, in, yeah, in fact, I just got finished cleaning up the books with Christine. So we were trying to finish up the handbook, clean up the 2020 handbook, and make it all legit, make sure everything's good. And Christine over there, she was an absolute saint for helping me try to get that ready for the year. Uh, poor, poor woman was, you know, messaging me on January 1st. Are you in that email loop? I think so. Uh, yeah, she was emailing me on January 1st, being like, here you go, I promised I'd get this to you. And, and she did, and then we came in here, and did you get them all back from the team members yet? Almost. Almost. <laughs> so, but you guys, these guys over at APR, they can help your business with human resources, payroll, PEO services, workers' compensation, and employee benefits. Um, you know, mad love to Christine, Todd, Kevin, and the entire APR team. Um, they're just awesome. Give these guys a shout at 352-495-7719 or visit their website at apradvantage.com or give them an email at info at apradvantage.com. And of course, when you do, say, yo, APR, what's up? I heard about your incredible service on the WHOA GNV podcast, and please alleviate all of my headaches, too. <laughs> they also give great Christmas cookies. Do they? Yeah. What kind of they Christmas They give us a little tin they? of Christmas cookies Do every they? year, and they're phenomenal. Why didn't I get any of because those? Because I hide them under my desk. <laughs> I stress eat them whenever at the end of the year. Uh, okay. Well, thanks for the cookies that I did not get to try. I still have a sleeve, don't worry. But you guys are awesome. APR, we really, really appreciate everything that you do for New Scooters for Less. And seriously, listeners, support our sponsors and uh, check them out. They can help your business too. So, what else we got, man? We Anything? also have, uh, we got the 10th annual Gainesville Real Estate Forum put on by James Moore and Company, CPAs, and the Beery Rainsberger Group. It's going to be on Thursday, February 6th at the Best Western Gateway Grand from 4.30 p.m. to 7 p.m. There are some incredible speakers lined up there. Uh, Betsy Papine of Papine Realty, uh, Charlie Lane, CEO of the University of Florida, Stephen Weeks, the Housing Program Manager of Alachua County, and Brian Bailey with the Federal Reserve Bank of Atlanta. Dude, this is going to be like the State of the Union 
for Gainesville real estate. Yeah, it is. Yeah, they're going to be talking about so many different topics, uh, commercial real estate, economic outlook from the Federal Reserve Bank, University of Florida Master Plan of Development, uh, commercial and residential trends and issues, affordable housing, and so much more. Uh, so be sure to go to Gainesville RE Forum. Uh, that's RE as in real estate. One more time, that's uh, Gainesville Real Estate, sorry, GainesvilleREforum.com. I'll get it right. Um, to get your tickets, they will sell out, so you might want to get them soon. Already got mine. I'm going. You're going? Yeah. Who are you most excited to see out of those speakers? <sighs> Man, I don't know. Like all of them. I, mean, dude. I feel like you I probably mean, heard it. I know that Charlie, you. I know that Charlie Lane's really gonna kinda talk about, you know, the the plan for UF, you know, and like the development plan. And so that stuff always interests me because of you know, obviously yeah, we Yeah, it definitely has scooters, an impact on what we do. Yeah. Scooters for less is connection to the university. So um but all of them, you know, I've had the opportunity to go speak to Betsy Papine's group and um and really enjoy that. So I mean I look forward to seeing all of the speakers and I know it's gonna be a great event. So I look forward to seeing you guys there. Make sure you are there. And now we are going to get into the show and I am super excited about this show. And let me tell you why. Not to put a lot of not to put a lot of pressure on our guests today. But um, you know, everybody's always you know, you've probably heard it too, Michael. Everybody's like, Oh, this is a Gainesville podcast. Like, are you ever gonna have a guest from outside of Gainesville? Like is not it only, no more, it's not is it yeah, is it just Gainesville focused? <laughs> Is it just Gainesville focused and like like what? And you guys, I've always said, like I don't know, like maybe, maybe, but like I mean, if I have the opportunity to invite somebody who is not necessarily from Gainesville, like into the studio and have an epic conversation around the pat, my passion of entrepreneurship, business, you know, and impacting the world, then I'm absolutely going to do it. And uh, and so we had the opportunity to do that tonight, oh, this morning. <laughs> uh, we're recording at night, you guys. And um, and so let me introduce to you guys today on the show we have Miss. Mr. Carl Gould. He is the CEO and a best-selling author, international speaker, and business growth strategist. And last year, he was recognized as the International Entrepreneur of the Year. Thank you, sir, so much for being on our show. Thanks for having me. This is great. Yeah, man. This, this you like, guys are bringing it. I love it. You like? Yeah. <laughs> Have you been on a show that has this much energy? Uh, not in Gainesville. <laughs> <laughs> he's honest, folks. He's he, he's honest. Well, well, there you go. So, so Carl, this is what like, we like to do. We like to just we like to dive into the origin yeah. story, man. Like, let's take it into the origin story. Tell us how you got to where you are today, because I've heard you know so many incredible things about you, and I've heard like bits and pieces of your story, but I want to get it from your mouth. So, sure, so tell sure. us. Well, um, born and raised in New Jersey, okay. uh, small town. So I grew up in a town, 1,200 people. Um, I was, uh, I still live not far from where I grew up, but I was going to school for accounting and finance at the University of Delaware. Had a pretty bad, I broke my leg pretty badly and I had to leave school and I was paying my own way. So, you know, I, after six months out of school and all the loans coming in and all the scholarships go away, going back to school since I was paying for it, wasn't really going to happen. So, uh, I left school and uh, I actually enrolled in County College, but I started my first business. Um, I started a, a design build landscape firm and um, I grew that business from 1985 through 1992, ended up selling that company. Um, I was going to school nights, taking classes in horticulture, but also business management. Um, I started a home building company in 1992 and grew that business and sold it in 2004, but I started coaching in 1991. 
I went to a uh, Tony Robbins seminar and uh, the motivational speaker in, in 1990 and really fell in love with the idea of helping people, you know, chart out their dreams and goals and achieve that. And a few years. And so I was doing uh, coaching all through the 90s as my side gig, my side hustle. You know, um, so if there was a gig economy back then, like right now we have the emergence of the social media manager or jobs that didn't exist before. Well, you try telling somebody you were a coach back then, they were like, "What?" They're like, "What? What the yeah. hell are you talking about? You you can do that?" Like, and if I got them to stop laughing long enough at what I was talking about, I can explain what the what the job and the role was. But I loved it. So fast forward to like 1996, I uh, hired a coach for my business. And if there were hashtags back then, I w- the hashtag would have been hang up the hammer because my business was running me more than I was running it. And so um, so that's our, that's our goal. I work with them for five years. We position the second company for sale. I sell that. And so in 2002, I started the business that I have today, which is called Seven Stage Advisors. And we're a growth advisory uh, company that works with small to mid-market firms and shows them how how to differentiate, how to grow, how to scale their business, you know, regardless of where they're from or what they do. And, um, and so, yeah, so I've spent the last 18 years now either training people who want to become coaches. And we've trained about 7,000 coaches or so in 35 countries on how to become a business coach, right? They were a former entrepreneur, executive, you name it. And, um, and uh, also uh, we work with firms to show them how to grow. And so we, and I wrote a specific methodology in the 90s when I was coaching because there weren't really any processes back then. So I wrote, a, I wrote a couple books on how to coach and what are some methodologies you and you know, and specifically around the area of growth because that's what everyone seemed to want. So that was the area, the focus of my coaching and advisory uh, during that time. So still live in New Jersey, but now I travel. I think I've spoken in like sixty-eight countries. Dang. Um, yeah, we have clients in a dozen countries, and yeah, it's, we're just really, really loving it. It's uh, it's been a real ride. So are you like still personally working with organizations yourself, or mm-hmm. are you doing more of the the speaking, and your team is doing that that part yeah. of it? So yes and yes. I I um I work with probably about a third of our clients. Um, I don't work with all the clients, and um, but I still do speaking, podcasts, that sort of thing, and. You write books and um, that sort of thing. More the face of the company. All right, so so what brought you down to Gainesville, man? Well, I was meeting. I'm I'm here on a three day speaking tour, um, and I'm going to uh, meet with the, the CEO, top CEOs and COOs in the Gainesville and Ocala area. So I had I I, did, I gave a workshop today, and I've got a keynote tomorrow, and then one on Thursday as well. So dang, how much are you on the road? Uh, about eighty days a year. All right. Yeah. Not too bad. It comes in bunches though, you know? Yeah, you'd like knock it out like three or four days at a time and then get right. home and relax? Or, uh, like, well, is it back and forth like all the time or is it place to place to place to place? Um, it's during certain times of the year we move around. So if it's in the summertime, like when the kids are off school, we'll travel around as a family and we'll do things together as much as we can. But what I'll do is I'll pack things in during the school year or during like work time. So I'm up at six o'clock in the morning, I go straight through the day and I'll either be coaching or advising or speaking or podcasting or you name it, but cool. yeah, yeah. Very cool. Um, with, with coming to our area, you know, so I'm super interested, you know, cause you're the first guest that's been on our show All right. that isn't necessarily from Gainesville. Right. 
you know, what's like, what's your, your perception? What's this outside perception? You know, big time business guy coming in. Like, like what do yeah. you see being in this area? Well, I, li- I like what you've got going on. There's a good groove um, here. I mean, I, my roots are I'm a small town guy and from an underdog state. Right, so in okay. New Jersey, you have a real chip on your shoulder because you're surrounded by Philadelphia. You know, there's no like main city in New Jersey. You're either identify with the North and New York and the Yankees and the Mets and the Jets and the Giants, or you identify or in the Rangers, Islanders, and the, or down south, you're you're Philadelphia, you're Eagles, you know, Eagles, Phillies, Flyers, you name it. So New Jersey's kind of split that way. So it's always had this chip on its shoulder. So, um, but. You know, so whenever I come to a, either a small country, small market, or a small town, they always ask the same question: How do we compete on a larger scale? Yeah. And what I and what I what I think you guys suffer from a little bit here, which I see in a lot of small towns, is you think of yourself as a small. You you think of yourself too small, right? And you don't sell Gainesville hard enough. You know, like you got to go. You got to go all in on Gainesville and you have to go all in on what makes this place special because you'll become a magnet when you do it right because what what I'm hearing what I hear a lot of is everyone keeps telling me well we're not it's this this is Gainesville this is in Tampa this is in Miami this isn't Fort Lauderdale well good I'm glad it's not you wouldn't want to be that right that would hurt your your you know that would hurt your rep here you want to be who you are and sell it big, like double down on the fact that you're inland, double down on the fact that you're a smaller town, double down that you're become a te- uh, becoming a tech center, double down that, you know, sports is the is the other religion, you know, football is the other religion in town here, but you got to sell it harder. You know, like we, we get this a lot with um, big icon in New Jersey is Bruce Springsteen, right? So back when nobody was thinking or talking about New Jersey, that's all he was singing about, right? And so, but he came, he became, he became an international icon by singing about the Jersey Turnpike. He wouldn't even sing about all of New Jersey, guys. He's an hour from me. He doesn't sing shit about where I'm from. He sings all about like the 30-mile radius where he lives. And it's all about what's going on in his backyard. But he, but he was so authentic and he was so real and he, and he, left, he left nothing on the sidelines that he was, he was totally committed. And so he went big by selling small, if you know what I mean. They, as, as long as you guys continue to uh, compare yourself with other markets, you're not doing yourself any justice Dude, screw it, the other markets this is all about what there's there you should think of Gainesville like there's Gainesville and then there's the then there's like another continent and there's no other world but here so people want to so this becomes a destination that's so funny that you even say that because recently I had somebody share a quote that came out of my mouth and I don't even remember where I said it but I but I just said no I, w- I was like I want Gainesville to be the next Gainesville Right. Like that's all you need to so be. Much, there's so right. much comparing. I see everybody going, oh, well, we want Gainesville to be the next Boulder or to be the next Silicon Valley. Yeah, no, you the don't. Next this and the next Austin, that. Austin, Portland. And Austin. Yeah, I'm just like, I'm like, yeah, those cities, that, like, that's great. But I, I want Gainesville to be the next Gainesville. Right. And, and that's what nice. will allow you guys to really thrive. So, like, um, uh, are you familiar with the country of Estonia? Mm-hmm. All right. What's Estonia time. known for? What's it known for? Oh, Besides nah. being a country, fellas. <laughs> Come on now. now. now it's a Baltic deep. state. It's a, <laughs> it's a Baltic state. Come on. I, I figure that you would know this. <laughs> yeah. You're the trivia guy. He's like I, I can guy, think of a couple things that maybe aren't appropriate. He right just here. searches faster than the two of us. So Estonia is um, so Estonia is trying to make their mark, right? Small, 
Baltic State, Baltic country. Um, so what they do now is every kid that goes to school gets a laptop. They put in a super high speed um, uh, fiber optic cable and everybody in that country is learning coding and computer, some sort of computer technology. And a small company in Estonia wrote the code for Skype. For Skype. They're, that's what their one of their early real wins is. And so Estonia is not trying to be trying to be anything else but Estonia. And they're saying, listen, this is what we're going to do. Iceland is the same way. The whole country has 350,000 people in it. Right. How many people live in uh, Gainesville area? 50, mm. 150. I don't know that. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's like, like, like a hundred thousand. Yeah, it's like a hundred thousand. Like yeah. So you're a third of the size of Iceland, mm. right? So you talk about small, but they have done such a good job of job of positioning them for what they are and who they are that now they're a destination, you know? So you just, you just need, like I said, you need to find out what makes you uniquely you and stay with that and don't ever apologize for it. And anyone comes in and tries to compare you, you know, that's when you're telling them to F off, you know, listen, this is that don't play here. This is how we play the game here. And you'll build your reputation for what makes you uniquely you, you yeah. know? Well, I, and I think, I think that we're really trying to change the perception that's always been. And yeah. that's that Gainesville is a college town, right? right? It's like, like you think of Gainesville, you think of the University of Florida, which is great. Like the University of Florida is a top seven university. Like I went to UF. I love UF. I have yeah. no, no problems with UF. Um, I just like constantly hear it being referred to as a college town. I'm like, no, it's it's way more than that. Like right. I'm building, like my family's growing here and there's so much opportunity and there's so many, you know, these amazing tech companies that people like really should know more about. And I don't know, we just, we just gotta change that perception and stop labeling Gainesville as like this college town. Yeah, and, and, and part of that, you know, you need the individual entrepreneur and the business community can only do so much and then the local government's got to sell, you know, sell the macro brand of Gainesville as well. Because yes, right. it is a college, college town and just that, yes, they are trying to become more of a tech center and I get that and that's pretty, and that's cool that they're doing that and they, they have to work to promote the area as well. So, you know, no matter who, what you're doing on your level, you do need help from the city fathers and mothers to do their part to help push the name out as well and build the brand of the city. You know, um, I mean, the college is doing a good job of building their brand. Yeah. You know, they're, you know, they're largely responsible for why you call this a college town. But, you know, um, so so this, the town needs to do as good a job as the college is doing. Yeah, and I think yeah. it's getting better. I mean, yeah. it's crazy looking back to when we started New Scooters for Less, 2004, like, it's come a long yeah. way. <laughs> yeah. And I had the opportunity to speak this morning to a group of realtors and, and just like hearing hearing, you know, the stuff coming from them and, and really, and really, you know, I'm constantly trying to relay this, this vision, you know, of all of us doing our individual pieces to really build this community. Um, and, and so I don't know, it's just great to like, yeah. to see it. It's just really great to see it from all the different angles, whether you're a realtor or just business person, whatever, you know, here in this community. So I don't know. I'm, I'm amped by how far it's come and the time that I've been here. It just seems like there has to be a unified voice, and and I think that's what we've struggled with. Like you said, the university does a good job of promoting themselves, but yeah. what what about Gainesville? What about Santa Fe? What about the entrepreneurial community? There's so many different uh, seats at the right. table that it seems like we can't always agree on on what direction that is and what identity <laughs> we want to have. And I think that's one of the reasons we started this podcast. But you mentioned Estonia and Iceland. Like I'd love to meet the person that decided what they were going to be. I got to imagine a lot of it was state backed. Like they decided this is what we want to be. Right, right, and exactly. Followed suit. 
Yeah, I mean, if you guys, if you, if as a, if as a town, you started out with the sentence only in Gainesville, only in Gainesville, and made that a slogan, and you said, meaning you'll only get this experience if you're here, and you said only in Gainesville, and you made a list of all the things that can only really happen well here, right? You know, and whether it's sport or whether it's the weather or whether you know isn't, um, uh, you know, Ocala is a large horsing community, you know, mm-hmm. equestrian community, you know, if you were to make a list of all the things that are uniquely that, and then started there, and ma- made a list of of your differentiators and just started promoting that that would be enough you know um and and then that would that would get it started um and then you can you can build from there it's like any other it's like any other uh company that's trying to make a name for themselves is they have to find what their differentiators are uh number one that then you number two you promote what those differentiators are then number three you start picking fights you start picking fights with the other with other uh, local uh, area regions that you can compare yourself to, you know. So here's why you, here's why you don't go to Orlando and you come here. Here's why you don't go to Daytona and you come here. Here's why you don't go to Pensacola and you come here. You know what I mean? So that's that's where I would start. What are all the features, advantages, benefits? You know, and then you know what what's unique there. Then why should you come? And then start. Then start comparing. Then start comparing, you know, and that's and that's how you'll win it. It's great advice. <laughs> you know? Love it. All right, so I want to hear more. I want to hear more about you sure. and the, the different things that you guys do because I'm like looking at this and saying seven stage advisors. You guys have advised over a hundred of the Inc. Five hundred slash five thousand fastest growing companies: mm-hmm. Walgreens, Walmart, American Idol, like. How did you even get the opportunity to work with companies like this? Is this something like, are you, are you like a go-getter? Like you going out and you're like, yo, American Idol, what's up? Like, yeah, here yeah, I yeah. am, like I want to work with you. Or like, are you building something like so awesome and that they're just coming to you because of your experience? Like, how does it happen? Well, I hope it's a little bit of both. But the, um, the way I started in my coaching career was I, I didn't, I, you know, I, I learned and got certified under other people's methodology. So I was a Tony Robbins coach. Um, I, um, I, I did situational leadership coaching that was developed by Ken Blanchard. I, um, uh, taught, I, I did coaching based on, uh, Dale Carnegie leadership, uh, principles, uh, the Adiza's, uh, methodology, um, um, all behavioral assessments. And so, uh, people would either come to me because they knew of me or they came through, you know, through either Tony Robbins or Ken Blanchard or Stephen Franklin Covey because they wanted that methodology. And then I was one of their certified coaches or was trained in their model. So um, in the first ever American Idol, uh, Justin um, was, uh, he was, a, I was a Tony Robbins coach at the time and he was at one of the seminars and I got, for a period of time, I got assigned to him and we did some, we did some coaching together. So <clears throat> Excuse me. So those were those are some of those opportunities came up, or, or somebody went to a website and said, "I want to learn more about how to, uh, you know, manage my t- manage my time." And um, so I was working with them on one, you know, coaching or management model or another. And then over time, as you know, as you start to build your reputation and you your uh, the amount of people you coach, then they refer you to somebody, and they refer you to somebody, and so it grew from there. So you know, I've had the chance to work with people that are on reality TV shows and. Uh, Olympic athletes, uh, yeah, Olympians, and you know they all birds of a feather. It's so true. Birds of a feather flock together. So you work with one, they're like, hey, would you mind working with this one? And so, you know, I worked with somebody who was on The Bachelor, as an example, and um, someone who was on The Real Housewives. Um, and so, yeah. So, so is there something like specific that you can tell us that like you coach them on? Like, what? Um, 
Well, yeah. So tactical. Like what? So there was a, a woman that was going to be on The Bachelor, okay. and um, you know, we created her her business plan. She's like, she says to me, um, she calls me up, and um, she says, uh, she says, uh, you're a coach, right? I said, yeah. She goes, everything I tell you is confidential, right? And I said, um, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I said, who is this? <laughs> How'd you get my number? Yeah, yeah, You know, yeah. so I heard about you. Blah, blah, blah. So we're talking and she says, uh, well, um, I in a week, they're going to, uh, they're coming to pick me up. I'm going on The Bachelor, you know? And, um, you know, I signed up for this thing. She goes, but I have a serious job. So I can't be jumping in a jacuzzi and a thong and then be taken serious at my job later on. But yeah, I am intrigued by the idea of meeting a guy and getting married. So I'd like to create a plan for both. You know, I said, all right, right on. So we created the plan and, you know, well, short story is she's married and, you know, so uh, uh, it worked out and she, and she's so the guy on the bachelor. She, uh, I can't say that part, but I'm not allowed to say that part, but uh, oh, man. not a guy from the bachelor, but what was his name specifically. I, I can't say so that part. That part I can't go to. Just, I can't go there I'm for really you. I'm really just trying to boost the views of our show. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> And when we come Straight back, yeah. he's going <laughs> to we'll give find us the name. He was Team Justin, or if he right. secretly voted for Kelly Clarkson. So right, right. So yeah, so yeah. Uh, Justin was had just signed up for a course called Master University, and you know we I, I was on the team that was assigned to those guys to help kind of prep them and all that. So um, yeah, so I was just in the situations, and I'm, I was in the situations early on in the coaching community, but I also put myself out there. So I said I wanted to get good at this. How do I get good at it? And you know, somebody said to me. Uh, um, you know, just start donating your time, giving your time away. And so I gave away about a thousand coaching sessions in the beginning. I would work with anybody under any circumstances for any reason, any problem, you name it. And as a matter of fact, I had my landscaping company at the time. So I'm in New Jersey on East Coast time. So I told, I told all the organizations I was certified in for coaching, I said, I'll take your European clients, your South African clients and your Australian clients. Not because I like the other parts of the world, but they were time zone friendly for me. Okay. So between three and 4 a.m. to 9 a.m., I can coach the European and South African clients. And in the afternoon, it was the next morning in Australia. So I had my regular business, but I was coaching in the morning and I was coaching at night. And yeah, I did, I did, you know, a few hundred coaching sessions that way for over a few years, just kind of building my name and reputation. And then, so when you I went, just in, have like an IV of caffeine. Like, oh my god! Like, <laughs> like, yeah. When did you sleep, man? I didn't, I didn't sleep much, and luckily, I don't need a tremendous amount. So, um, but yeah, I, I, yeah, I really, I, I pushed it hard. I went very aggressive, and I, you know, so I had my full time business, and my, I had my side hustle, and and um, and I still probably work as much as before, but I love it. So, you know. Not hard to get up for it. All right, so let me ask you about coaching. And then I'm gonna let you talk at some point. And that's <laughs> my uh, let me ask you about coaching, right? Yep. Because somebody's, somebody is reaching out, they're hiring an expert, Okay. right? Do you, do you find it difficult because sometimes I feel like when somebody hires an expert, like a coach, that they then end up like micromanaging something, you know. It's like it's like I'm gonna hire you to be my coach, but then I'm gonna tell you how I like hmm. want it. You, right, you, kind you, of, follow, get, you follow yeah. what I'm trying? They get to directive like, in the in in the engagement. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's it's almost like when somebody like hire if somebody were to hire us for a video project, and it's like all right, we're like we're doing this video project. We have a media company too. Uh, we're doing this video project, and then you know we deliver this awesome project, but it's like oh, but but. 
change this, 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 this. And so I kind of like, I sometimes struggle with this, you know, they're the one paying the bill. Let the, right, <laughs> let the expert be the expert. They're the one paying the bill. But your name is but, ultimately on it. Yeah, yeah. we're our, yeah. our old, yeah, ex- exactly. Like our name is on it. And you know, this is, you know, thing that they want to do. I'm like, I'm like, ah, oh, like really, shouldn't, really shouldn't do that. <laughs> yeah, sure. And then, and then yeah. I'm even thinking like, man, what are the other companies going to think knowing that we right. produce this? But, <laughs> but like somebody, you know, you know, falling. I know in. exactly what All you right, mean. Cool. So I used to build kind of really hard to do. Yeah. I, I used to, to build custom homes and, and people would say to me sometimes, Hey, I'd like to put in this kind of, uh, this kind of, um, countertop. And I'd be like, really, you sure you want to do that? And, and they're like, Oh, doesn't it look good. I'm like, no, it looks like crap. But if you, if you insist it's your gig. So what I would do is the, the kind of the decider that I would go by is Am I st- even even if I don't like what they're asking me to do, or I don't like what, what the part of what they're asking me to put in? Does it still get the result? Because I'm I'm not I'm not tied to the result and how we get there. I just want to make sure you get there. So I'm willing to be as flexible, and I'm willing to take the the scenic route as well as the direct route. But if I think it's going to hurt your objective or hurt your ability to get the objective, then I would step in. Because if they're hiring you as the expert, you got to, at some point, you have a responsibility to be the expert, even if it means you jeopardize the engagement. Meaning you say, listen, you know, we're not doing, we're not doing that. Well, if you're not doing that, you're not my video producer. That's fine. I'll help you find somebody, but I'm not going to willingly and knowingly walk you down a path that'll be catastrophic for this project. I won't do it. Uh, There's other people that might do it. You can, there's plenty of them you can hire, but it won't be me. And it's not because my, just my name is on it, but because I just feel a responsibility to you that I want you to get your outcome. You, I want you to be successful. And this is going down a path that won't lead you to be successful. So in coaching, it's very, you know, what's interesting about coaching is people come into coaching because they've hit a ceiling somewhere, right? There's some belief system or rule or value or principle that has gotten them to a certain level, but um, is preventing them from getting to the next level. And specifically in coaching, if somebody starts to take over or says, I'm going to tell you how this is going to go and all that, they are likely using the what, the strategy that they actually need to overcome in order to be more successful. So the very thing they're trying to use to dominate or direct the conversation is the very thing that they need to correct. It's the limiting belief that's holding them back. So as a coach, I would highlight that and say, all right, Mr. and Ms. Pushy, you know, Mr. or Ms. Micro Coacher, you know, who's the coach here? If you're if you're trying to take over, that's cool. If I recognize that limiting belief or pattern, I'll just bring it out and say, look, I, you asked me to work on this particular pattern. It's exactly what you're using now. And, you know, you want you want to direct, I'm not saying co-create, don't co-create, you should do that. Let's design and set the expectations together. But if they're stepping outside of that, then yeah, I would speak up as the coach. That's you know? good. So. You know what you're doing. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. So yeah, now when it comes to coaching now, we've evolved. In the beginning, it was enough to say you were a coach. Hey, I'm a coach. Wow, that's awesome. Then it was, I'm a life or a business coach. Then I'm a life coach and I've got all these segmentations. And so now, you know, it's a very mature industry and each industry has niches. That's how you That's how you know. When there are niches, you've got a mature industry. Coaching is there. But coaching, you know, in, the, in what you described, people aren't hiring a coach always because they want an expert. As a matter of fact, the coach is the least likely of the four disciplines to be an expert. You, there's a coach, there's a consultant, there's an advisor, and there's a mentor. 
Okay. And there are four distinct skill sets, four distinct marketplace opportunities or, or in services that you provide. A coach is there to help you process through the core issues of what is leading to whatever your experience is right now. They don't have to know anything about anything other than how to help you process through the core emotional issues and the mindset of what has gotten you where you are today. A consultant though, that's the expert. That's the, uh, that's the person who, that's the mechanic who works on the scooters. That's the lawyer, the accountant, the attorney. They're there to die diagnose, treat, and then help you fix the problem. They're the ones that they kind of take over. They do the doing. The advisor is somebody who is probably the most important person in the room. They have a great network and they can marshal and channel all the resources necessary to get something done. They're a generalist. They're a jack of all trades and they're good at all of them. They're not like a master of none. They're actually very good at all of them. It's the hardest one to become actually advisor. And then there's a mentor and the mentor is somebody who's done something successful and now they're just going to walk. They're going to say to that person, listen, follow my footsteps. It worked for me and I can show you the way through. So in today's age, you're looking for one of those four. Right, so if I'm going to lose weight or I want to get in shape, I'm actually looking for a consultant, a personal trainer. I, you know, I might hire a coach so they can say, "Well, how you feel about being fat and out of shape?" Well, I feel like shit, and I want to get in better shape. Okay, good. <laughs> now, 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 I'm going to turn consultant on you, and I'm going to say this many exercises, this many reps, and you gotta, you gotta pound them out. That's a consultant, right? So it depends on what you're going for is what you'll seek out and how much you know, uh, how much you will participate as the client, right? So if you're going to a consultant, you part participate a lot less because you hired the expert. You go into a brain surgery, you know, brain surgery. You're not telling the surgeon where to cut. You're like, all right, I'm going down now. Hope you had a good day too. <laughs> Thinking about you the whole time. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're going for the ride. But in a, you know, if, if it's coach, then it's going to be a little bit more give and take and you're going to participate a bit more. That's great. So in the, in the, pre-social media virality like how do you how did you get this ball rolling from a legitimacy standpoint was it just word of mouth people saying hey I worked with this person he'd do wonders for you but how do you get that ball rolling yeah it, it was a lot harder then um, so what I did was I traveled in I did a lot of networking meaning I went to the events you know uh, there are birds of a feather travel together. You know, if you go to, if you go to a lot of trade shows and you go to international trade shows and all that, you will see the same people showing up over and over again. Same vendors come, you know, people travel in similar circles. I see, I see some of the books you have on the, uh, and some of the things you have accessorized. And I know half these people, right? Cause we travel in the same circle. Mm -hmm. You know, if I go on a speaking circuit, I see other speakers, you know, and so word can get around. So in the pre-social media or just in today's world, in the word of mouth world, you get around the influencers because they affect a lot of people. So when you go to a trade show, always make sure no matter what you talk to the exhibitors because they're not just exhibiting there, they're exhibiting at other places. If you go to a networking group, meet the board, whoever they are. Because they're not just a board on that networking group, they're a board somewhere else. If they're a board member here, they're a board member somewhere else. And so I got around influencers who had, who were um, a bit of a multiplier. So if I had, if I knew somebody who was a coach, um, um, they would know other coaches. And so I would say, hey, listen, I specialize in entrepreneurial coaching. And they would say, oh, that's great because I do life coaching. I'm always getting a, a request for entrepreneurial coaching. So I said, cool. So if I ever need an HR coach, I'll recommend you, you recommend me. So I got around people who could not only hire me, but refer me. And that's, and that's how you can get that a little bit more viral. And speaking. 
speaking, you're in front of a large audience at any given time. You know, podcasting is one form of that. You get in front of a large group every single time you post. The same thing, when you speak, you're getting around. It's it's one on many and you have a captive audience for whatever period of time you have them. And so if I can do a sufficient job of impressing them or saying something that's relevant or that resonates with them, then they will... Um, uh, then they will be willing to either spread the word, hire me another way, but that's the way you would do it. You know, you'd have to influence the influencers and then you can get the multiplier that way. So how do you enrich yourself? Is there, is there a coach that you seek out or you're on, you're on circuits with these people? Is there somebody that you look forward to and like sit there as a student in their lectures and yeah, I like this question. I mean, yeah, I mean, look, I'm, I am, I'm surrounded by coaches. Uh, you know, I live in that world. So when we do trainings, when I go to, when I get certifications, I'm around them all the time. But, um, uh, yeah, so I, um, I, I try, like I, in the beginning, I used to get, I used to take too much from any one person, meaning I used to think, wow, that person's a hero of mine. And, and then, but they were really a hero in sports, but then they were not in other mm-hmm. parts of their life or financial, they were great, but not in other areas. So, so I've looked to, I've looked to various sources and find my inspiration, you know, um, one slice at a time. So like growing up, I, I watched basketball, um, uh, but I, I pro basketball, but I didn't like teams. I like players more. So I like Dr. J and then, so I followed the 76ers, the Philly side of things, Philly side of things, <laughs> right. Which is blasphemy up where I'm from. Uh, but then right out, well, my favorite player after that was Alan Iverson. So I happened to, York side of things. Yeah. So, so I was, you know, I stuck oh, no, with also, this. I'm sorry. That was also this, the Philly side of things. Also the Philly yeah. side of things. Yeah. But I, I just yeah. happen to like those two players. So I follow, I follow that. I like certain coaches. Like I always like Bill Parcells, Bill Belichick. I liked Rick Pitino, uh, Jim Valvano. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would, I would follow the individual and then I would, and so, but I would, I would take a little bit from uh, Lou Holtz. I saw Lou Holtz uh, give a motivational speech. One of the, one of the best speeches I've ever seen. Um, he was unbelievable. If I, I would go see Lou Holtz again in a heartbeat. He was hilarious. Um, uh, so he, I really enjoyed. I listened to Tony Robbins. I see I have a Gary V. Um, uh, Gary V. Uh, 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 the pillow. Pillow. Thank you. Thank you. So Gary, I met Gary and I met one. Zero percent complaining on it. Zero percent complaining. My team when they're right? So that, that's awesome. So I like listening to him. I enjoy. I enjoy his stuff. It's it's very targeted. He's good. Um, and um, uh, so uh, Simon Sinek, I enjoy. And but I have a lot of friends now in the speaking world. So I get to, you know, I, I'm blessed to get to see them. Um, I had the chance to meet um, Jeff Skiles, who was the co-pilot of the Miracle on the Hudson. Mm-hmm. Um, we had. A and spend some time together and uh, John Coyle who's a Olympian speed skater um uh, Philippe uh, uh, Philippe Petit. He was the guy who did the uh, uh, the uh, the tightrope walking between the twin towers. Okay, you guys remember that going way back. Dang. He 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 puts a, a tightrope between like the Eiffel Tower and all. This. So he had not. I, I got a chance to see him speak. So I kind of live in that world. So I get a I get a chance to see a lot of a lot of speakers that I really enjoy. David Marquet, the uh, um, the. Um, um, uh, turn the ship around the formal naval captain that was submarine captain that was uh, put in charge of the the worst performing submarine on two weeks notice and turned the whole yeah, thing yeah. around uh, unbelievable so so yeah I'm blessed in that way that I get a lot of inspiration on a regular basis from from a lot of different sources you know because of the because of the circles I travel in you know 
So for someone that like would would listen to this and, and try to get inspiration, like, do you recommend seeking out a bunch of different people? I feel like sometimes it, we have a tendency to just <coughs> gravitate to one person and then consume 100 percent of their content yeah. and almost take it as canon as as, as Bible uh, rather than seeking out maybe a lot of different perspectives on it. Yeah, I I, I like I like to. If I were to think of my life as a as a pizza and there and I sliced it into eight and I it was like career finance personal development intimate relationships uh, you know fitness health finances um, which is I, I have is different as career you know developing my core competency I would slice it into the into the areas of my life and I'd find gurus or or a handful of people thought leaders in those areas and and listen to what they have to say um, this is just me personally. I'm, I've been I've been disappointed by experts when I got to know too much of them. Mm. But when I stuck to their area of expertise, you know, for me at least, that works better. You know, and it's not that I disregard every other part of their life. I'm sure Warren Buffett's a really nice guy mm. in other areas of his life. But you know, I listen to him when it comes to financial because he seems to have that pretty well. You know, he seems to know what he's doing there. Is he a good dad? I'm sure he is, but you know, that's I'm not I'm not talking to I'm not listening to Warren and reading his books for that. Right. You know, Richard Branson, you know, when it comes to investing in businesses and being entrepreneurial, I like to listen to that. You know, what else does he do in his life? I'm sure a lot of really cool things, but I'm not following that part. I, I'm sure I could. I'm sure there's other things I could get inspiration from. But, you know, I tend to follow the area, a, a particular area of expertise. And I, and I like to get I like to get varied opinions, you know, because one, it'll either validate the person I like already or it'll give me another way to think about what, you know, what that person had said, you know, had said, you know, so um you know, the interesting thing uh, about it is, you know, you start to read them all, read the books and listen to the people. A lot of stuff's the same, you know, mm -hmm. they repeat it in a variety of ways. So, um, so that's important to me. And I like to listen to people who have a uh, distinctly original take on things. I have almost zero tolerance for regurgitation. You know, uh, life's too short. I get it. I get it. You know, if you get, if you get behind the mic um, or get in front of an audience, make sure you have a, an original thought. You know, so I have a, I have a high standard or, or low tolerance, if you will, for that. So you talk about differentiation and promotion and then um, picking fights with your competition, right? Correct. So you ever listen to Gary Vee and be like, okay, I'm gonna do the exact opposite of everything he says, or that, that guy's just so off base, I'm gonna take it the other way. Absolutely. But start an, but start the conversation with him. Like I, I mean, I don't know him personally, but he's the kind of guy that I get the impression he would. It, let's say you challenge something that he said, he might challenge it back, but he's just going to tell you what he thinks. He's not right or wrong. You're not right or wrong. You just have your perspective. But you know, as long as you're not defaming the other person, there's nothing wrong with saying I think I do this better, and here's why. Nothing wrong with that. You know, now everybody is so different that I, I find it almost impossible to see competition, right? So like people say, well, who's your competitors? And I, I always struggle with that. Con I always struggle with that conversation. Like I have a, I have a Samsung phone and I have an iPhone as my backup phone. I'm not, I'm not a huge iPhone fan. I'm more of the Samsung guy. And they're like, well, your competitor's iPhone. I'm like, those are two total, to me, those are two totally different things. I'm like, no, they're not. They're not even close. 
I don't use them for the same things. And, and, and in business, we have such a signature way of doing our own thing for our own clients, our own way that to me, there's, I just don't buy into the idea of competition. If you do it, like if you think about it, you know, you, I see all the books you have on your, on your, um, your bookshelf here. You didn't buy one book and not buy another. You have books on your shelf that have the same basic topic, sales, personal development, you know, business strategy. You know, those are not competing books, even though they're in the same section, written by their own author in their own voice, and you bought them to get that particular message. Same, this podcast, there's a, a gazillion podcasts, but there's none like you. You are, you have no competition. That's what I was saying before. Gaines, right. That's right, baby. <laughs> right. That's putting our foot down. That's why Gainesville should not compare itself to anywhere else because right. you're inviting competition and you don't have any. You know, you want to live in a world where you don't have competition. You don't have any. You guys are trying to invent it because you think you're a small market. You don't have to because you don't have any competition. You know, so um, so I don't I don't have a problem at all with challenging um, somebody what their thoughts are, what their ideas are. I think they'd welcome the challenge. Most of them, they they'll take it on, sure, but that's okay. You know, as long as you're doing it for the betterment of learning or getting ahead or whatever, and you're not defaming any one person, like it's all you know morally, legally, ethically on board, I mean, go for it. You know, are you a big goals person? I am. Okay. Yeah. Like I just like, I'm like getting like this, I mean, it would seem like you would be like being coaching and stuff like that, but it like just that energy and the things that you're saying, yeah. I'm like, man, this guy has probably got like those goals laid out. Can you, like, what is, you know, it, it's funny because this episode is going to air January 27th, right? And so, right. so right now it's January 7th, you know, everybody just got done setting all these goals resolutions. and these new year's resolutions. And then, and then what happens, right? February gets here and like everything starts to fall apart. Everything starts to fall apart. Yeah. Right. And like, so what things can our audience do to like really ensure that one, those resolutions, those goals, like they're not falling apart. Are there any like goal strategies or tips that yeah. you have um, that would like really help somebody push through that end of January decline. Sure. Well, yeah, I know like 95% <laughs> of all resolutions are gone by the 15th. Well, first off you, um, so here's a couple of mistakes I see people make when they set goals. Number one is the, uh, there's a difference between a goal and a project, right? Um, you know, or a task and a project. I think once what some people do is they'll be too vague or they'll make the goal too far out in the future. And it's just hard to connect to it. So I want to lose 100 pounds. You're not going to lose 100 pounds. And, you know, you might lose 100 pounds in a year, in two years. What's your 90-day goal, right? And what is it that you can do, right? So take a goal, chunk it down, put it in 90-day steps. It's been a long-held coaching principle that you set goals in 90-day increments. And a number of management systems have taken that on. Gazelles, Rockefeller Habits, EOS, you know, our rocks, our priorities. You know, that's a long-held coaching concept. 90 day goals. So take it, chunk it down and, and go after smaller, smaller bits, but then understand what an, a goal actually is. A goal is actually a destination. It is, it is a project or some sort of endeavor that has an end point that, which is different than a category of improvement. So somebody says, I want to be a better father. That's a category of improvement. There is no end. 
right? So you can set many goals around that, but there is no such thing as the goal of being a better father. That is a category of life improvement that you're going to work on throughout your life. Inside of that, you would set smaller goals that would be symptomatic of you being a better father. Right. More time around home or, you know, read the read bedtime stories to the kids. Those are goals. But a category of improvement is not a goal. So people set a goal and they're like, all right, I want to be a better student. I want to do this. And they set a category of improvement target and then they don't see results right away. And they say, see, these goals suck. I'm not doing (laughs) resolutions. F this. This is forget it. You know, but they they were using the wrong tool and they set themselves up wrong. So, um, so the big, so the, what first off is set 90 day goals that have, that are actual destinations and then separate that from what we call categories of improvement or just the roles you play in your life. So for example, it would be hard to imagine that you could do this, but imagine you set the goal to be better podcasters. Like hard to imagine. Like, is this guy crazy? Right? (laughs) There's no such thing. Like there's no such quantifiable thing. It's a category of improvement. As long as you're a podcaster, you're going to look to make incremental improvements. So you would say, okay, what would be the things that would be indicative of me being uh, a better podcaster? You say, all right, let's break down the podcast. We have our opening. We have our energy. We have our enthusiasm. We have our content. We have our opening. We have our middle, our questioning, our follow-up questioning, um, our banter back and forth and our clothes. So you would break it down and you say, okay, how can we, and if you were to look at each one of those and say, on a scale of one to 10, one being low, 10 being high, 10 being off the hook, whoa, right? What is is each aspect of our podcast? And you would rank it. And you say, well, how was our opening? Ah, nine and a half. Great, what do we gotta do to make it a 10? Here's what we gotta do. Bam, 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 bam. Those are goals. And then when you're done with that, you would say, we're better podcasters. You see what I mean? Yeah. You know, so that's how you would do it. So look at, you got it. So what most people don't understand or they they don't um, uh, go through the process all the way through is differentiate between the category of improvement versus the actual task or activity that's symptomatic of the category of improvement. So technical nerd coach speak. (laughs) I love it though. Do you have any uh, like things that you're doing to hold yourself accountable to those 90 day goals. Like, I, cause I think this is a part that, you know, I, well, I'll say I, I struggle with. A lot of people struggle with is like, is really, you know, I, I always feel like I have to almost like find somebody to help hold me accountable. Yeah. Right. Well, and, yeah. and I'm getting, a, I don't want to discredit myself cause I'm getting a lot better at this. Uh, but just trying to come up with clever ways, processes to hold myself accountable to my own yeah. goals. Right. Only I can accomplish my <clears throat> goals. So that's true. Well, the, the number one tool you can use on your side is leverage emotional leverage, meaning, you know, think about all the people who would really be happy if you failed or really be happy if you succeeded. Who are the, who are all the people that you would disappoint if you didn't follow through or who would be really excited or be proud of you if you did succeed? Okay. Go to those people and tell them what you're planning to do and by when, right? So we would do some things in coaching like, do either of you have kids? I do. You have kids. Okay. So how old? 10 and 6. 10 and 6. Okay. Boy, girls? Boys. Both boys. Okay. So right? Same birthday. Same birth. Yeah, crazy. Same birthday, four years apart. So what's one goal you want to achieve this year? Um, well, I have them we, all written so down. Yeah, are we speaking specifically for family or? 
for whatever. Okay. So, so for family, I want to start teaching my kids um, how to manage money. Great. And so what's one? Um, so, uh, okay, cool. So let's break it into something more tangible. So you want, what do you, what do, would you want them to learn about this year? Um, As it relates to money. Physically, like how to not only earn the money through their chores, but then how to, whether it's save that money, invest that money. Cool. Um, give you know give some of that money like my my wife and I are actually looking at an app that some friends have like recommended to us that's very very much how to like use a debit card oh, for right. kids awesome. and it divides it up into these categories and stuff so the way I, the way I've approached this is like I want them to be able to really manage their own money not in a piggy bank, but like through technology and through the things that we use every single day. Like cash flow, and, you want to manage their cash, and yeah. also learn and also ha- learn how to invest a little bit. Like cool, un- understand that process. All right, so uh, so if you were building out a goal around that, you would have certain activities, and you would you would make you would handle those activities. So here's where the leverage would come in. So let's imagine you're my coach, right? So here's what I would do: is I would say, um, I would ask you for a number, uh, a dollar amount number that if you had to. Write write a check for today, it would hurt, okay? So let's just say that's a five-figure number, right? 10 grand or above. You would write a check out to a charity that you would never want to be associated with, okay? So just think of, you know, the opposite political party, some group out in the world that you just cannot stand whatever they're about. And you're going to give me a check for $10,000 or more written out to them and I hold on to it as your coach. And if you don't do the activities that you promise, I mail the check to them. Second thing you'll do is you're gonna write a letter to your 10-year-old son explaining why you failed him and why you were too lazy and couldn't be bothered to follow through to teach him how to manage his money. If you don't follow through on the activities, now again, you don't have to get the achievement. He doesn't have to become Warren Buffett. You just have to do the things you promise and that are under your control. If you fail, you decide not to do it, I mail the letter to your wife who will read it to your son a year from now. Ouch. <laughs> right. Okay. So now we've got leverage, right? Now now it's game Yikes. on, right? So, Watch out. So money that would hurt and you disappoint somebody you love that you're trying to help, right? So- now what you do is you would say, I'm never going to let that happen. You know, one, that was a good kick in the behind. I thank you for that. Um, but you would never allow that letter to ever be mailed or that check ever to go out. And when you've done all the activities you promised, I hand them both right back to you. You take them, you shred them, right? That's leverage. With that kind of leverage, you'll achieve whatever your targets are. If it's negotiable, like, yeah, I'm a little tired. He looks a little tired. We're not going to manage money tonight. No big deal. But if I have your check for $10,000 going to, you're like, kid, get up now. Dad's got to teach you. Wake up. (laughs) You know, you get the toothpicks out for the eyelids. We're learning money tonight, my friend. Otherwise, I'm not going to, I'm going to lose mine. So we should talk about Michael's goals. <laughs> yeah, you like that now. This is a really good plan for Michael, right? But see, you, you get That's the point good. with leverage, right? Yeah. So, you know, it's really good. Um, yeah, or or you know, you, you take something you love to do, and you you your punishment is um, I'm take I'm taking the podcast off the air until I get back on track with these activities. You know what I mean? Like you would have to do something that would really hurt 
in the beginning if it were to happen. That's the push. And then you would start to set up positive goals. So that's the pull. So if I teach my son to manage money or as a family, we've decided to go to Disney World together or we go somewhere as a family. And uh, and so you set up positive rewards because that's the sustainable part. But in the beginning, you set up the push rewards, the negative consequences um, in order to make sure you get going and you, you know, you get out on, you get out and you start taking action. You know, because we oftentimes do more to avoid pain and avoid discomfort than we do the, the, the upside. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if I, if I turned a snake loose in this room, we all get up and run. You know, but I said, if I said, listen, if we get up and leave the room, we'll have everything in our dreams. I'm like, oh yeah, okay, we'll do that in 20 minutes. But if I let a snake loose in this room, we'd be on the table, be like, all right, <laughs> we'd be out of here in 10 seconds flat. You know what I mean? So you got to have a little bit of both. I like it. That's good. No, that's really good. That's gonna be a good piece of content. Like, <laughs> really good. What you like breaking it down now? You're yeah. Like, you're like, oh, he wants that to be a little micro piece. Cut no, that I just think <laughs> I, I could re- probably replay that over in my head a thousand times. I'm trying to think of like what what check. I mean, my check wouldn't be very big, but <laughs> but who I'd be sending it to? Yeah, it wouldn't matter. It's if yeah. it's a lot to you, it's a lot. It's a lot. It doesn't right. even matter the number, you right. know. So we could like, I mean, we could do that for each other. You could give me your check, and I could hold on to it, and then you can hold on to mine. And <laughs> mail it out of it. I feel like you would accidentally mail mine, <laughs> and yours would be under like lock and key, like yeah. Brinks truck. Like uh, that's fantastic. But well, wait a minute, I gave you the letter without a stamp. How to get a stamp on it? Right? I don't I know. It just by accident. <laughs> you know, I was chewing on stamps, and I fell over and landed on your envelope. <laughs> really, really buying into that emotional leverage. <laughs> He's all over it now, right? I mean, like you've done a lot of really cool things and it's been awesome to have you on the show. I mean, do you feel like you've made it or like, are you just like, man, I like still so far to go. I mean, like what's success for you? Do you feel like you've made it? Yeah. Um, well, I, of all the things I've done in my life that I'm proud of, it was when I re-engineered my life when I had a construction company and I wasn't happy and I said, I want to do this thing called coaching. And there was really no industry. I mean, the average coach in 1996 made a full-time coach made about $30,000 a year. You know, and I was I was running a multi-million dollar construction company and everyone's like, you want to do what? You know, like what's this thing again you're talking do about? You, do you remember you that know? moment? Like the Absolutely. thing that happened yep. that was like, I am done. I remember I'm, the day. I'm switching. Like it was fun. It was funny. It, it was the funniest thing. So, all right, you guys are going to enjoy this. So, um, I have got my construction company. I'm driving one of my dump trucks, um, like 60 miles with a load of junk on it. Cause I've got to get to an appointment to deliver a proposal to try to get the next job. Right. Drive shaft on the, uh, a U joint on the drive shaft of my truck breaks. Okay. So I kind of know what it is. I've dealt with it before and I'm like, holy crap, I'm on, I'm going to miss the appointment. So I jump out of the truck while it's still rolling and I push it just enough to get it into the shoulder. The wheel is like this far across the line. Right? So I call up the uh, service station and the guy's name is Vinny. Vinny, can you come out here? You know, I, I know it's the U joint. I looked on there. It's like, oh, it's the U joint. Can you bring it out here? Can we fix it? Maybe I can still make my appointment. And so <laughs> it is so hot out. It's in the summer. It's like 90 degrees and humid up at home. And um, I said, can you bring some water? Cause I'm dying out here. So he shows up 15 minutes later and I'm under the truck and it, we're on a major highway and a foot away is the right hand lane. So I know it's the huge, he's like, it's the huge joint. Like, yeah, so we know how to fix it. We get under there. 
I'm holding the drive shaft above my head and Vinny's next to me and he all of a sudden he takes off. I'm like, what 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 happened? He's like, he's like, you gotta get out of there. And I hear this hissing sound like coming by and I'm like, I look around, I'm like, the hell is that noise? And I looked and it was a line painting truck. They were painting the white line. They paint my painted my head white while I'm holding the thing <laughs> underneath the broken truck and no. I said I said that's it that's it that's it that's it I'm done this is why people should vlog and this so is you can capture moments exactly like that so so there oh, I was man. he's laughing he comes back under he's like yeah they got you <laughs> oh my god yeah, I could. T- I'm here to tell you. I know how hard it is to get line paint out of your hair, you know. So it was on that day, and I just I, I remember thinking I drive out of there. I'm like, what? What am I doing? You know, I'm driving a dump truck to. Uh, you know. I said, this is. There's got to be a better way. This can't be my life. I was. Um, what was that? I was thirty. Yeah, I was 30 years old, 1996, born in 66. 30 years old, and I just said, there's got this. This can't be it. This can't be it for me. And I said, I really love coaching. I I get up at three o'clock in the morning to coach people all around the world. I seem to like it. They seem to like it. I got to be able to figure out how to make this a business. That's why I wrote the book that I wrote and created the methodology because I said, I have to be able to make this into a six-figure business minimum because you know I've got two kids. I live in New Jersey. I got a house. I got to be able to pay my bills. It wasn't to be rich. Coaching's not a hugely profitable or big time salaried job. It's just not, but it's hugely rewarding. And I, so I remember the day and I, I made a deal with myself and I said, I'm never going to do work again that I don't love. And, and my personal manifesto was, I wrote paid to play all around the world. Didn't even know what that meant. Never left the state of New Jersey, whenever anywhere. I didn't have my passport, but I had no idea what it meant. But I said, I'm going to do that. And, um, and so I feel like I've made it in the sense that I do what I love, right? So I, I'm energized by the work I do. I love doing it. I'll take a, I took a red eye from South Africa to Arizona and gave a keynote at nine o'clock in the morning. And, and there were some people dragging their butts into the room and I'm like, Listen, let's get moving. You know, I was uh, I was all, I was all fired up and like, what got into you? I'm like 14 hours on a plane. Let's go, right? Line and so paint. I was yeah, line paint. <laughs> so I was all fired up. So from the standpoint of that, I feel like I've made it. Um, there's always things that I want to improve on. Um, you know, I've done at this point over 30,000 hours as a coach. So I've, I've gotten, you know, I feel like I've have a level of mastery there. Um, you know, the rule of 10,000, um, I've done a lot of speaking. I enjoy that, but there's always things that I still feel like, like I'll watch somebody speak or podcast or do something and I'll say, Ooh, wow, they do that a lot better. I really like that. And I'll work on that, you know? And so, um, so yeah, I'm always looking to improve. So I don't feel like I've made it professionally from the standpoint of, either financially or what I ultimately want to become. But I feel like I got struck by the best lightning in the world, you know, 20, 24 years ago. And then I made the decision at that point to re-engineer my life. And I said, no matter what, I'm going to figure it out. I'm doing this as my full-time gig. And so I get to do it now. Okay. Last question, because then we got to wrap this up. That process, right? When you had made that decision, 
paint comes across your head. Right. <laughs> You're like, I'm the, like, what was, like, how long did it take? What was that process? Um, I mean, did you just not show up the next day and start coaching or was it like? No, right, yeah, it was gradual. I mean, I, um, I hired a business coach, a business mentor for my business shortly after that. And that's when we had the hashtag hang up the hammer. I said, I, we got to hang up the hammer. I, I, this is exhausting. It's killing me. And, um, and so, and so that was the process we went through. I mean, I owned that business for eight more years, but what I did was I started to run the parts of the business I liked and I, um, and I leveraged out the business parts of the business I didn't like. And so, yeah, I mean, I kept on going because until I can build a six figure practice out of my coaching, I wasn't even going to consider be, be dropping the business because I had responsibilities. So you've got to do whatever you're doing now, you got to do well. And if you can't do the things that you don't like well, I get that you might not like it, but if you can't suck it up and do the things you don't like well, you are screwed if you're if you think you're going to be an entrepreneur or you're going to be a big time executive. You have to be able to do the things that you don't like. You can't do what's convenient. You have to do what's right for the business, regardless of your role in it. So, um, so I had to do what was right, and what was right was to continue to grow the grow my one business um, while I was uh, learning how to become a better coach. And then um, when the time was right, then I made the switch. This is great, man. Yeah. I really enjoy this. Cool. Thank you so much for coming on our show. Thanks for having me. It was yeah. great. Any, any last? Yeah, minute? I got one more quick one. I knew you yeah, sure. Yeah, I knew yeah. he would. I was like, say, I had the last question. I was, but I was I, summing through your LinkedIn, and I see that we have a, a mutual connection. Um, and I imagine you've probably done circuits with him, but Steve Noodleberg. Yeah, you, his book is right <laughs> okay. there. Yeah. yeah. So he, that's why I saw him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, he was actually a guest of ours three weeks ago. And really? I think that's what kicked off a lot of this. We've been talking. So about wait a minute. Are you? So all right. So you had Steve on. We yeah, did so, have Steve but, on. but now you're serious about who you have. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, you got serious about this shit now. Oh, shit got good. real today. Oh, be blowing us up now. Oh, so oh, um, we actually had the whole Noodleberg family on. Here, oh well, so that's two, that's fine. Two sons, yeah, that's cool. but you. Oh, oh, that's cool. Yeah, yeah Steve. Steve's all right. Um, so I think <laughs> that was one of the episodes we really started getting into, like routine talk. Uh, he yeah. said he wakes up at like three o'clock in the morning to start his day. So so tell us tell us real quick, like what is, what is your daily routine like, and, yep. and what do people just from a basic like you know what most people have in common to be successful, what, what should they be doing to adapt into their routine? So people who are hugely successful don't live in the real world. They just don't. And what I mean by that is they live in a world, a fantasy world of their own where they are successful and they work on certain things and they just don't participate in some of the bullshit that goes on every day in the real world. So for example, um, I get up every morning and I have spoken all of my goals into my phone, into my audio recorder. I get up and it's, I can tell you it's nine minutes long. I put it on while I'm in the shower and I listen to every goal I have for the next 30 years. That's what I focus on. So I want to know what the weather is and I know what the I want to know what's going on in the world around me because I've got to be somewhat relevant and I got to wear the right clothes when I leave the house. But I could care less what's going on to a certain degree in the rest of the world. I live in my world. You know, everyone that's written a book here, they live in their world, meaning they study what they study, they find the people that want that want to get value out of what they do and that's all they focus on. You know, and they don't live in the real world. The real world oftentimes and I don't mean I don't mean that they're clueless about what's going on, but they pay attention to what gets them moving forward. Warren Buffett does not live in the real world. Not because he's rich, but because, you know, up until f he, he has 99% of his wealth after he turned 50. That dude spent 50 years of his life like you and I. I drove past his house in Omaha. 
He lives in a regular neighborhood. He drives a he drives a regular sedan. If you didn't know who that guy was, you would not know who that guy was because he's not, you know what I mean? So um, so I read my goals every single day into an audio recorder. I play them back every single morning. Uh, get up in the morning and I have a couple of routines. I, uh, I, um, I do some stretching. I've got some challenges with my back. I have an inversion table at home that I use. Um, but I'm listening to my goals, what's important to me, all morning. Um, there's certain music that I'll play where the streets have no name. That's right. Man in a box. I got some, I have music that gets me going. Um, and, um, and then when we, uh, and then when I, I get in the car in the morning or I'm, I'm getting ready, I, I try to get a two hour jump on anyone who's on my team. And I try to anticipate any problem or challenge that's going to bubble up to my desk. And I try to head it off at the past. And I, and I send out what I think are the direction for my team. Um, and then, uh, from there, I, um, I've then from there I start my day but I have what time do you wake up um typically five six o'clock in the morning okay yeah I'm a, uh, 11 if I go to bed after midnight which is pretty uh, common I'll get up around six if I go to bed anytime before midnight I'm up by five o'clock you know pretty easily and um I have everything on my calendar if it's not on my calendar, it didn't happen. So they joke with me in, in, in the office. They're like, so did you take your vitamins today or, you know, whatever? You the same? Mm, yeah. Right. So I put it on I'm there. Be the same. I put it on there because the smartphones, I think, have been and the recurring appointment and technology has been one of the best things ever to help us organize our lives. Our smart watches are getting there, too. Just unbelievable. But I'm uh, what I do at the beginning of every year is I, have a, I, I plan out all of my me stuff first and then um, and then I plan everything around that so I know when my vacation times are I know when my rhythms are and I am a I'm like a two-week guy meaning I can go just about two weeks with almost no sleep but then I, I need two couple nights to really just you know get a couple full nights sleep so I plan around that so every two weeks I block out time for because I know I'm going to need it, and if I don't need it, I'm fine. I won't use it, but I I will plan that out. Um, I surround myself by the books and stuff that I want to read, um, and I hang out with people who are better at what I at better than me at whatever it is I do. So I'm in a um, I'm in a uh, mastermind group that I meet with uh, two mastermind groups. One that meets every single month. I have a bunch of serial entrepreneurs around me. They all have their core business, but they're all into something else. Those guys inspire me every single month, and I'm like, oh, I gotta, I gotta, I gotta keep mm-hmm. my game up. And then once a quarter, I go, I come down to Florida, as a matter of fact, and I participate in another advisory board where I'm around people for two to three days. And you know, and I, and you know, they just they have expertise in areas that I aspire towards, and so I'm constantly around those people. So I'm reading stuff that's uplifting, that helps me learn. You know, I'm I'm constantly reading. I read, you know, I write. I've written a lot of books, so I kind of know how books are kind of written. So I can rip through a book pretty quick. So I'll read a, I'll read a book or two a week. Um, and um, you've, written, you've written like seven books. Seven books, mm-hmm. you know. Hey. So um, I still have to write the first yeah, one. Yeah. <laughs> and we got to get on that. <laughs> add it to the goal list. Got to get on I that. Add it to the goal list. Right. You know? Absolutely. So, uh, so yeah, um, I'll, I, so I, I do my best not to live in the real world. 
right? And so in other words, meaning I'm focusing on what's going to get me there. If you think about, if you think about what your goals are for your life, for your business or whatever, what you're aspiring to do doesn't exist. Your son is not a cash flow, you know, he's not a money manager right now. That doesn't exist in his world right now. So you have to get outside the real world in order to make that his reality. You see what I mean? Yeah. It just, it simply doesn't exist. If you, if you, if you're worth a hundred thousand dollars now and you want to be worth a million, that million doesn't exist. You can't get it in the real world. You have to get out of the real world, get into your own world and say, and start using million dollar ideas. You're using a hundred thousand dollar ideas. That's why you have a hundred thousand dollars. You know, you want to sell, you want to have five locations that sell scooters. You have to have a mindset of multi-location, not single location. See what I mean? So you have to get outside that and say, all right, tunnel focus, what's going to help me get this thing that doesn't exist and make it real. So that's what, that's what entrepreneurs do every day. So you have to get outside that. And that's what I try to do as much as possible. Whenever I get frustrated or overwhelmed, I find that I'm too in the weeds in whatever I'm doing. You know, if I can elevate my thinking, then I'm out of the weeds again. Um, and I can start thinking clearly about my, not only my long range plan, but what I'm doing tomorrow in order to get there. But when I get caught, trapped in the weeds, that's when you can get overwhelmed, you can get stressed out, you can get burnt out, because you lose perspective. But do you do multiple things at one time? Because you're talking about like this tunnel vision, this focus, like is that like one company, one focus, this is it? Or no. is it like, okay. Um, uh, it, my son came up with it, I'm gonna write a book around it because I just think it's the coolest thing ever. He said, Dad, I'm triple tasking. I'm laying on the couch, I'm watching TV, and I'm eating. And I'm doing all three at a high level, aren't I? So my son, Sean, came up with triple tasking, but there is no such thing as doing one thing at a time. I don't care who you're talking to. Like, and I get it, the brain works better when you're doing one thing, but you're not getting anywhere beyond, you're not, you're not achieving the level you want unless you're multitasking, right? So, so yeah, I'm, I have my coaching business, I have my speaking business, I invest in companies, you know, I have real estate and I've got that. That's all gotta happen in the same day. You know, and, and you know, so you got to figure out how to do more than one thing at, at the time. You have a team here. You're already starting with that. Your key, the key to your success will be, and anyone's success is, how well can you multiply time, right? And how well can you share your guiding principles and be transparent and share your goals with others so they can help you get there, right? And so you, so, um, you have to be multitasking. I'm sorry, this whole idea that, you know, uh, and I get it, I get all the science around we do better if we're doing one thing at a time. Yeah, well, if that was true, then why do I drive down the road and everyone's looking at their phone? <laughs> no one will admit to texting in their phone, but everyone's doing it, right? Of course they are. You know, I counted it up once, I'm driving down the road. I'm like, you want me to put that on my phone? But I look at my dashboard and I counted, there's over a hundred knobs, buttons, and, <laughs> and lights on my dashboard. You want me to stop touching those too? Like it's not going to happen. So it's more. You, you get a ticket for it now in Florida. Jan you do. January 1st. Oh, and you, it, and you should. In your hand. But here's what you want to do is you want to. This is your PSA from right. the OGNV podcast. Exactly. <laughs> but you guys, you guys have, I don't want to say her name because she'll light up and start playing music. But we, you just have to get better. You, you don't want to. My wife's not here. Right. <laughs> right. So. <laughs> right, right, right. There's two so far. Awesome. So you're going to. I love you, Shannon. Right. So you, uh, you don't, you don't want to shrink your world to you. You want to become better than the world you're around. You're being more skilled. Like, so, so I, I've gotten really good at my voice to text. So I can, I can have phone calls and send emails and everything from my phone without ever touching it. 
because I understand the commands now. You just work on those things, right? So you want to become better than the problem you're facing and be able to juggle more and work smarter. You know, you want to expand, you know, so you're bigger than the goal as opposed to saying, oh, well, I'm overwhelmed. Let me shrink it down. No, 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 that don't work that way. You should be thankful for the problems you have. You want to become bigger and better than your problems. And, you know, who is it? I think it was um, Billie Jean King said, you know, pressure is a privilege, right? You know, people who don't have pre- don't have pressure, you know, they don't have that. They're, they're not going to have the life that you aspire towards. You know what I'm saying? So take the pressure as a privilege and figure out what's the better way for me to manage it, not let me shrink my whole world down so I can handle it. Well, anyone can do that, right? But if you want to achieve more, what you're going to have to do is you're going to have to say, you're going to have to say, all right, I want to do all these things and forget this work-life balance. That's That doesn't exist. It's work-life integration. You have to start integrating the things into your life that you want um, and there's going to be some blend. And so that's the that's part of the art of achievement, you know, um, where you have to find what's the right formula for you and how you can multitask and that it makes sense for you. I love that. I say that all the time. You do. <laughs> right. Work-life integration. Yep. Awesome. There you go. Man, thanks again so much for coming on our show. This was awesome. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I, I saw somewhere that, you know, if you want to spend a day with, with Carl, it's <laughs> like $20,000. So I was like, uh, like, please don't hyperventilate and panic <laughs> when he's on your show. So, but no, seriously, thank you so much. Um, you know, listeners, you guys, like this is what we want to continue to do is keep bringing you people who make you go, whoa. So like, please give us your feedback. Let us know what you thought of the episode leave us a review leave us a review on itunes or wherever you listen um just let us know what you think hit mike and i up uh michael they want this personal branding yeah, thing start okay. calling <laughs> um hit us up on linkedin instagram um All the platforms. Where, wherever you like to socialize hit us up and let us know what you think of the episode and uh and i haven't done this you know i really haven't done this this particular part but I, but I really want to. I want to give a special special thanks to our Repaint the Wall team. Uh, you guys, you know this podcast this this podcast is put on by our digital media unagency, Repaint the Wall. Um, what we do is we help you build brand through consistent content creation, social media distribution, and by building and leveraging your personal brand. Uh, we'd be honored by the opportunity to work with you or your business. Uh, if you need social media strategy, contact us. If you need a beautiful or optimized YouTube channel, do, I love YouTube, man. YouTube is awesome. <laughs> if you need an awesome YouTube channel, channel, hire us. Um, you want to learn how to put content together consistently across social media platforms. Uh, you know, dude, let us know. This is what, this is what we do. And, um, you know, out of 90 episodes, I have never given us a plug that big. And I think it's well-deserved because look at this production, look at what this team has done. So mad love to everybody, Joanna, James, Genesis, I mean, Ronald, Allison, Michael, everybody who is putting time, all the interns that we've had over the last two and a half years. Um, just thank you for the time that you've dedicated. You guys are awesome. And, um, that's it. You guys, this is the WHOA GNV Podcast, the podcast bringing you businesses and individuals that make you go, whoa. Give us your best whoa. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you later. Bye. <laughs>